I'm McKinney Smith. In 2009, while going through a divorce, I decided to jump straight into entrepreneurship. In 2012, I lost my sister and asked myself, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Since then, I've become a serial entrepreneur, helping other women publish their books, produce their podcasts, and reach their big goals to walk in their greatness. I realized the importance of sharing our stories of resilience and how it can be another's guide to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. So get ready to be blessed with an inspiring testimony. Hey, Legacy Leavers, thank you for joining us in the Awaka My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their voice so they can create impact, prosperity, and legacy. I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding, but what interests me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Connie and Marty. She's been an event marketing and branding specialist for 20 years, working with notable luxury automotive brands, corporations, and startups. From curating world-class golf tournaments to galas early on in her career, Connie noticed the lack of BIPOC representation in the event and marketing space and decided to create her own pathway to success. Her most recent initiative, Collective Society 360, a nonprofit where she utilizes her network and allies to foster a safe space and learning environment for marginalized youth. Collective Society 360 also focuses on women empowerment and has started a branch called Lead Her Teacher, focusing on the entrepreneur journey and self-empowerment. So please welcome to the show, Connie Amarty. Oh, wow. Thank you. <laughs> I need to get up in the morning and call you and ask you to do that. <laughs> I love after I've done everyone's bio where they, they have that, that reaction like, oh, wow. But to me, I'm like, oh, wow, because that is you. That's your accomplishments. That is all. That's all you, girl. That's all you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So first, I want to start the show by saying thank you. Thank you for agreeing to come on and share your story with us. Um, I know this may not be your most um, comfortable of comfort zones, but I am so excited to have this conversation with you. And I'm just so grateful that you said yes. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. I love what you're doing. So I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. So let us start with... Let's go back to the very beginning. Let's look at where you were before you got to where you are today. Like, what did Connie want to be when she was a little girl? Oh, wow. I actually wanted to be a veterinarian. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So then how did you transition and get into event planning? (laughs) I mean, like when you're little, like Doc McStuffins little, um, but I don't know, like when, when I was younger, I did an internship or a placement in elementary school at a veterinary clinic and I got attached to one of the cats and it got put down and I was just devastated. So mm-hmm. that ended that really quickly. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so tell us your, your story, your journey of how it all began. Like, let's start with your upbringing, where you grew up, um, what your influence was in order to get to where you are today. Okay. Well, I, 
don't actually usually tell a lot of people the story of where I grew up because it's uh, just different. It's not like I'm hiding it, but it's just different because being a Black female and a Black woman, I grew up North, born and raised for a few years in Sudbury, Ontario, literally had to wear snowshoes to school sometimes. The snow <laughs> fell so high. <laughs> there were not a lot of people of color there except for my relatives and a few other families. So it was definitely interesting growing up in a society like that. Mm-hmm. But mm, my parents, they would bring us to a reserve called Massey. It was in, sorry, it was in Massey. And so there was a lot of um, Indigenous uh, people that we would talk to and I didn't even know any different. Like there, that was my papa. His name was Pastor Owl and mm-hmm. he ran a church and we're there on the weekends during the summer. And it's crazy because I, I didn't even know any different. But now that I'm older, I'm like, oh my goodness, I see the fight. I see the mm-hmm. struggle. But when you're young, you're just there and enjoying life. Like I was playing in like an abandoned gas station, you know, thinking mm-hmm. it was the time of my life. And mm-hmm. um it was, but at the same time, it was absolutely beautiful because they always celebrated life and celebrated nature and everything. So, yeah, I really associate my upbringing there the most. Mm-hmm. They would send fresh meat home with us. So, I never actually ate store bought food until um, we moved to Oakville. I always had fresh meat, literally, like if they had a kill, they would send some of it home with us. I mean, if anyone knows me now, I wear my mucklucks and um, like fur hats and stuff like that, because that brings me back to my childhood, because they would actually, <laughs> back, in, back in my childhood, it wasn't cool to wear big fur hats and mittens, but that's what we had, because that's what they gave us, right? Mm-hmm. Because they would give um use everything uh from the kill from fur to food to everything so they would send me home in fur hats and, and stuff and like grade two and people would be like look at your hat <laughs> but uh but yeah so growing up now I still have that same sense of, of style and appreciation for it so yeah I, I know that's a little bit different and then uh, we moved to Oakville from there which was that was more of a culture shock <laughs> so okay so for our listeners because we have an audience in like Australia the UK the Caribbean so they don't know where Oakville is so for those who are listening she moved from like one side of Canada to the next <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> okay continue yeah. And then growing up in Oakville, that was just a whole nother set of circumstances because there still was, you know, a clear divide of uh, people of color. And I moved, I believe it was grade five or grade six. And that was like the era of the rise of, you know, the, with the movie of, I was going to say director X, <laughs> um, um, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is some racial tension sometimes there. But again, you just roll with the punches and, and you see things. But now being older and looking back, it's easier for me to be empathetic and to be able to assist others with what they need in some of the misses that, that happens for BIPOC youth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've watched you over the years. You've, you know, always been in the like event PR space and you've worked with so many amazing companies and brands. And now you have your own not-for-profit and you're doing so many amazing things for the community. Like, 
how do you manage or how do you balance so many hats? Because you're a wife and a mom and, you know, your kids are into sports. And like for those moms that are listening, how do you manage all of that? You know what? The best tagline in life is Nike. You just do it. Mm. If you sit there and think about it, you get paralysis of analysis, as my husband likes to say, that you have so much to do that you'll do absolutely nothing. and You'll just sit there mm-hmm. and blink. And of course, you have those moments, but you just go. And and what I'm also realizing now is that you go, but then you have to listen to your body. You have to listen to your soul mm-hmm. um, and know when you need to say, no, I cannot do that today. And that's okay. Or you know what? Maybe you can get picked up from a friend and go to practice. Only now am I understanding that you have to have your own inner peace and take care of yourself in order to take care of others. Mm-hmm. So do you think like you're, you're growing up and, you know, spending time on reserves and connecting, and I'm going to say more with nature because I know that they value um, nature and the earth and animals and those things. And then now in our culture and society where people value culture in terms of, you know, accolades and hustle and all those things, do you think that your upbringing had anything to do with, I guess, your way of thinking now, especially when it comes to your initiatives for making sure that you're looking out for, you know, underprivileged youth and creating opportunities for women and and children? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, just something as simple as, again, being older and realizing what you live through or what you've seen you can now look back and relate like even something simple. I had mentioned earlier that uh, we always had fresh meat, fresh berries, fresh, everything coming to, when I moved to Oakville, I'm seeing this packaged meat. I actually got a little bit sick. Like I'd get nauseous. I developed um, stomach problems because the food had chemicals and everything in there. And so I sit here and I think to this day, I think, okay, so you're going to say we're providing support for indigenous communities. And your idea of doing that is separating them from homes that they know, instead of improving the conditions there, Mm -hmm. uh, put them somewhere where they're getting processed meat foods. And they're wondering why they can't focus or concentrate or their, their teeth are bad because they go from one extremity to the other. Mm -hmm. So that alone has my eyes open to just small things. And I can't even imagine actually living that life and walking and walking through that valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being a young black g- girl growing up in Oakville, my goodness, that was hard on its own because I didn't grow up the way other people did. I was seen as, as different. You know, I always like I would speak proper. So, you know, some people would be like, oh, you sound washed or what, what does that really mean? Mm. And what are we telling our youth that you have to sound a certain way and you have to look a certain way to be black? How does that define your blackness? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, (laughs) anything that I do, I try to put myself in the perspective of the people that need the assistance and or guidance one way or another. So I I would never change my upbringing for the world. Like (laughs) we had a, an actual gospel band. It was, we were the, the Hamilton gospel singers. <laughs> An album was caught and everything did tours across <laughs> Sudbury. <laughs> we did a telethon and like quite a few. <laughs> so you had quite the journey. 
to say it's the least. It's been quite the journey. So yeah, I mean, even music, the genre, you pick up my phone, I have everything from, you know, jazz to, to, to reggae to country gospel to you name it, I have it in my phone. Just the appreciation of having a different ear of accepting different cultures and growing up in so many different cultures. So from Sudbury, then going to Oakville and having different types of, uh, of friends. And I think that's made me able to see things through different lenses and through different people's eyes. Yeah, I think that that would definitely give you a broader perspective. Like, I know there are many cultures, including the Black community, where their focus is only on one community or one thing. But if you own, like, you know, if, a, I don't know, I don't want to use people as an example, but, you know, if you have, um, I guess I'm going to have to use okay. people. <laughs> but but you, like, if you only have Black people hanging around other Black people, then you only have the perspective of a Black person, right? If you have Asian or Jewish or uh, like any other culture that's only hanging around their own culture, then they only have the perspective of that culture. So you've had the opportunity to grow up around different cultures to see things from different perspectives and not just the one that you were born into, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, 100%. Absolutely. And I think that, like you said, when you live in a silo, you don't know any different and you don't um, understand that there's more to life than what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's damaging our communities by not having an understanding of how other people live and how other people within our communities live. Um, And there's, there's so many things. I mean, that's, that's so fully loaded. There's stereotypes that come along with certain ethnicities that we amplify sometimes because Mm -hmm. we don't speak to other groups to see that there's another way to live. Right. Right. I mean, there's so many things that we have to work on, especially within the black community, that we have trauma from slavery and just from seeing these images. And even though we're Canadian, people Mm -hmm. will will say things like, oh, well, Canadians didn't really experience slavery or there's not any there's um, there's no racism in Canada. Oh, come on. But there's plenty of racism in Canada. One (laughs) hundred percent. It's just covert. And now it's getting more blatant. Right? It's absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, 215 bodies of Indigenous children were found in a grave, and this is not covered anywhere. And Mm -hmm. this is in Canada. Mm -hmm. This should be worldwide news breaking. Like, it's just crazy to me. Mm -hmm. But, like, we have to do better, and we can't wait for anybody to do it. So we have to do it ourselves. So that's why Collective Society 360 was started because it's a 360 approach where we work with youth from elementary school to high school to university, and we carry it through because, you know, sometimes you'll be awarded a scholarship, which is great, you know, $1,000 here, $500 here. But what is that going to do for somebody who wants to get their MBA? Those are very expensive and people are saying that we need more black people in certain jobs and, and on boards and as presidents. Well, what do you think we need to get there? Right. We've yeah. all got to start working together and, and understanding that there's certain things that we need to do to amplify the voices of people that actually want the help. Mm hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you 1000%. And that's why I love everything you're doing with Collect Society 360, because 
Um, I like I've had, like I said, I've watched you evolve over the years. And even when I think about just the pandemic in itself, you know, where a lot of people who were in certain industries like DJs or event spaces, you know, a lot of people were just sitting and waiting for things to go back to normal. But you were passionately <laughs> out here creating <laughs> solutions and, you know, including people in things and collaborations. And you have just been on the go. Like, as I said earlier, I don't know how you manage so many different hats. Like, from a friend perspective, I'm like, girl, <laughs> like, I want to take a vacation for you. <laughs> but I'm also loving how passionate you serve. I really appreciate that. But you know what? I can't even do this by myself. I have an amazing team who have really just held up this mission and, you know, we're doing this off the sweat of our, of our brows and I cannot do it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you're as strong as, as your weakest link. And I've been fortunate enough to find strong links within collective society and our team and they they keep me going too, you know. Sometimes I don't want to attend the meeting, <laughs> and then I have someone, Connie, you know. Um, so it's definitely teamwork. Um, I I did have and do have the concept, and we're going to grow, but I can't do it without others and the mentors that even such as yourself that volunteer their time um, to assist the community. That's mm-hmm. really really important because without 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 you guys, this won't happen. And allyship is very important. And to go back to your question, I think that's the difference of being raised in multicultural society. I've been pushed and people have asked me, well, why do you use BIPOC? You know, black people are the ones with the problem. And then some people say black people and indigenous. And the reason why I include people of color, because there are some people who are still seen as a weapon and things have happened to them that we can't even imagine from right. war-torn countries right. who have seen, have stepped over, you know, their family members in the street. What am I going to say? I'm sorry, you're not black. Yeah. I can't help you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need your allies and even with the collective society team, I mean, we have somebody who plays golf, who's willing to help one of the top experts in Canada. We have race car drivers. Uh, we have graffiti artists and they're all, Um, standing beside us to help as well because unfortunately there are not a lot of people of color in certain fields Mm -hmm. so we still need the knowledge from white people right yeah I I agree on so many different levels and there's like a whole direction my brain wants to go down this conversation I'm like okay but there's so many questions I want to ask you do it I just got my back all comfy now let's do it (laughs) yeah like I I want to even dig into that further because I feel like as a society we are quick to do the comparative suffering and it's Mm. not healthy for anyone because we're further damaging the victim and we're causing more pain where we should be providing solutions Right. So whether you are black, whether you're indigenous, whether you come from Iraq, whether you come from, you know, somewhere else, like everyone's got their adversities and their struggles and their challenges, especially living today, whether, you know, you're in Canada, the U.S. or wherever. Sometimes I think about some of the initiatives and things that I've even been a part of for our own community for black people. But then I have friends and Mm. I can't even forget like my son, um, 
his father, my ex-husband, um, is Pakistani and raised Muslim, going to the mosque. So there's a lot of things that I've learned being around other cultures, learning about their struggles. Like you said, you know, mm. coming from countries where their whole family has been blown up or, you know, they've had so many things. And then we, in this generation right now, yes, we have struggles. Yes, we have adversity, but everyone wants to play the comparison game. Well, our struggle was deeper because, or this, like, it's not fair. It's not fair to anyone. No, absolutely not. And I think the, the sooner people realize that we all have the same fight and it usually comes from the same source, then I think we're going to be able to heal a little bit better. I mean, a lot of things in, in our communities and um, the black community just stem from, you know, self-esteem and, and stereotypes and the education system, Mm -hmm. the education system needs to do better because what, uh, what the eye perceives to be as reality all we know is, you know, Christopher Columbus and all of these different heroes that were put in front of us. And then Black History Month comes and mm, slavery. Exactly. Um, how many fit on the ship? And like, if that's all you see and you see yourself in chains and shackles, then exactly. how are you supposed to evolve? It's the conditioning that is being ingrained into people's brains to keep them mm-hmm. at, that, at that space. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. why it's important, the work that you do, not only to empower and to educate, but also to provide resources and all kinds of things that are needed and required to get out of that lack and scarcity and, you know, struggle mindset. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the resources. I mean, we've been blessed because we're fairly new. And, you know, as you know, we're doing the Lead Her Teacher series, which you were an integral part of. And thank you for that. Um, and when it was being presented, you were there when I was like, okay, well, Mary Kay is interested. And we're, I was nervous because we're so small, but you know what? They just scooped us up and mm-hmm. they said, Hey, we, we've got you. Mm-hmm. And that really, uh, really means a lot. And then we have, um, there's a company down here, Stacked Market, and they provide um, space and they've committed to partner with us as well to help facilitate, you know, like summer camps or day mm-hmm. camps or, workshops for empowerment in um, McCann, uh, Canada. They're a marketing agency. They've helped as well. And they've given us resources like laptops, printers and stuff to give to um, people within different communities. And it's just, it's, it's so beautiful what's happening and everybody coming together. And all we need is like more support and then we can help more people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How has the pandemic affected how you serve? Oh my goodness. This is all I want to do. Um, I, and I'm not even trying to sound cheesy or anything like that. <laughs> because you know how, how real I can get um, mm-hmm. bikini. And <laughs> the honest truth is I just, this is what I want to do. Why else are we here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have our family and that's awesome. And you're so blessed to have one. Um, but there's so many other people out there who have ambitions and, and they have things that need to be brought out in them. And wouldn't you wish you had somebody? Mm-hmm. And it hurt because George, when everything happened with George Floyd, I actually saw the raw unedited video before a lot, uh. before it hit the media filtered. And honestly, it traumatized me. It 
was horrific. Like from him uh, seeing um, being put into the uh, police vehicle, seeing it shake. And I didn't even know what I was looking at because it was like so fresh. Like it must've been almost instantaneous. It was so fresh mm-hmm. and it hurt. I looked at my son and I thought, Oh my gosh, what do I say to him? What, how do I protect him? Mm-hmm. I look at my kids, you know, I look at my husband, you know, mm-hmm. don't look at anybody's side. It just, the reality hit, I guess I've never understood the term woke so hard when that happened. I'm sure that happened to millions, obviously across the world, because we all stood together and we said, no, thanks. Mm-hmm. I don't even like, even as you said that you watched the unfiltered video, like the pain that is in my chest right now, like I almost wanted to throw up. I, I'm one of those people who has chosen not to watch even the filtered version of the video because I can't get those images out of my head. Um, I'm already dealing with, you know, childhood traumas and trying to remove certain images out of my head. But like just the thought of what you, how do I say this? Like what you would even feel in that moment, watching his experience in that moment. Like I'm, my head is scratching and I'm starting to stutter because like, it's almost like <laughs> the, the feeling the pain for him, feeling the pain for yeah. anyone who's had to visibly watch that, that image. I couldn't. I, I wish could I can unsee it. I can't lie. I wish I can unsee it because it, honestly, like down to like when they took him out, like I saw everything mm-hmm. and it was horrific, but you know what? God knows why he does certain things. Cause I'm telling you that lit one piece of fire under my mm-hmm. and I'm just and you know what too after all this happened it's like I also find there's a fine line there's people that are doing things so they can get a government grant and say they're the ones who've been put on and then right. there's people who are like oh I want to be an ally because they think they need to do that to keep their business running and I'm just sick of the conversations without an action plan right you know how many conversations online can we have before you do something okay great now that's over what's next they're right. still in the same position. All you did was hear yourself talk. Right. Right. So how do you stay motivated? Oh, wow. You deal with a lot. You see a lot. You've been through a lot. You serve a lot. Like, how do you stay motivated? My kids, my family, you know, I have uh, two girls and a young prince coming up. And I need them to see that no matter what, you have to fight, you have to push through, and you have to have a certain attitude doing it. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, I wake up days and I'm like, I'm checked out. Where's my onesie? Where's my Netflix? (laughs) Yep. And at that time, I'm probably calling you. So, um, (laughs) but what motivates me is that in the legacy of my sister who passed, she did so many phenomenal things that I just can't let that energy and essence and, and, and spirit of her drive just go away. I feel my, like the, I was going to say my, my condolences on your sister passing. Oh, and thank you. And I know you've gone through um, the same situation. So mm-hmm. I definitely know you can empathize there. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So I know for myself, my sister passing changed my perspective of life. It changed my drive and my purpose to move forward in life and to serve. And you just said that your sister has been like, you know, a source of inspiration for you. 
So I guess what inspires you the most about what you do? The feeling of knowing that I'm making a difference. I know that's a generic answer, but it's like, it's crazy because people start calling me mom. And I know it sounds weird, but <laughs> I was like, wow, like that's, that's an honestly an honor. Like they'll literally be like, oh, it's okay, mom. Like I, I got you. And I'm like, huh? I'm yeah. like, they, <laughs> you know, is that one of those things they call you auntie and mommy or are they really like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and just seeing the progress and look, don't get me wrong. I have made a lot of mistakes. Oh Lord, have I made a lot of mistakes trying to help people and ends up blowing up in my face or I think I'm doing the right thing and I didn't do the right thing. And, you know, so maybe they were somewhat sacrificial in the process, but the bottom line is I've always wanted to help people. And Mm -hmm. I think that if you're authentic with that feeling, um, you'll attract the people and the energy that's supposed to come to you. And when you do that, you can help more people. I honestly feel like goodness and grace, there is nothing that can stop it. I love it. I have have goosebumps as you're talking. because I'm just like, your passion for what you do and your belief in how you do it, it obviously speaks volumes to who you are as a person. But even if you look at the impact of the people that you have touched, like for example, um, like as the as we're recording this today, this day, um, today's episode of the podcast that was published was the episode that I recorded with Savannah Hamilton, and I connected with her through you. And in even in the teaser video, I had to use that part because she mentioned that you were an instrumental part in her, I guess, owning her identity. Um, oh, you know, oh she said that you've been such an instrumental part in in her life. So how you make people feel like I I can tell you from experience in all the years that I've known you, how you've made me feel in terms of including me in your initiatives and, you know, checking on me or asking if I need help with anything or, you know, sometimes we don't realize the impacts that we have on people. And you're not one of those people where you, you know, you do something for the applause or you do something, um, you know, because you're expecting an immediate result. Like it's not self-serving and you can see that you can feel that. So the impact that you have made, you may never actually see that actual impact, but the amount of people that you have touched, you should be obviously beyond proud of yourself. But I want you to know that it is like nothing that you have done goes unnoticed. So thank you. I actually don't even know what to say. You're trying to draw (laughs) some tears. (laughs) I just just needed to say that. It's just, I, I honestly don't have any words. I just love, um, I try. And like I said, I've, I've gone through things where I've been there, done that. I haven't been the best person my whole life. It's not like I'm going to put a halo on and say, Hey, I, I've been like this. And I think because of the trials and tribulations and errors and some of the bridges I've burned actually, you know, torched, um, I learned (laughs) I learned <laughs> I learned along the way what you can and can't do and should and shouldn't do and what you should and shouldn't say. And I still have a lot of lessons to learn. But the people around me humble me as well. I see what you do and I see and I know what you've been through and, and you're an inspiration to me. I Thank see, you. you know, Savannah and she's this young lady just blazing a trail you know and then you know I see my daughter traveling the world at 25 years old fearless and I Mm -hmm. I 
and I drive down the street and I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So I just get inspiration from everybody else. So, and that's why I think that what I was just saying, like grace and positive energy, it just, it detracts each other. So the same Mm -hmm. way you see me, I see you, and I'm sure others see you like that. And, you know, see Savannah as our inspiration and all these other strong, beautiful women. And I just want to really build that sisterhood so we Mm -hmm. can all help each other. And I think that's what I love the most because there's always, you know, that stigma that women can't get along, women are catty. But I have known for years that women can collaborate and that we can do more together. It just depends on the environment that you're in. So I'm grateful to be connected to women like yourself. So before I turn this into like a back and forth love fest, <laughs> I'm listening to no, them. I love like, you. <laughs> I'm like my listeners are gonna be like, okay, guys. Like, <laughs> but before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you online and learn more about the things that you're doing. Okay, so my team works really hard (laughs) and social media, they're not easy. People are rough out there, tough crowd, but (laughs) guys, we're trying to do good things. So um, follow us um, at collective society, 360 on Instagram and on Twitter, it's uh, collective S 360. And then we also have LinkedIn, same thing, collective uh, society, 360. Um, and I think those all the platforms and then Facebook and stuff, but yeah, we're just trying to, um, build up our followers, not for the superficial reasons, but just to get the, the mission out there and and the more people know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, the more support that we can get, uh, for the youth and we're going to be doing some things with the school board, hopefully, and, uh, God's willing that goes through the way it is so we can reach students on a mass scale. So we're definitely going to need all hands on deck. And my Instagram is at Connie Amarte. Awesome. So I will definitely have uh, the links to the websites and the socials and all that good stuff in the detailed section of the episode. So they don't have to search too far. They can just click and connect with you directly. Oh, that's awesome. So for the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom. And I just Mm -hmm. ask a couple of quick reflection questions, kind of like a rapid fire. And uh, you can answer whether it be one word or one sentence. Sometimes I break my own rules and I ask you to unpack that. But (laughs) there we go. You know, when you're ready to go, we'll get started. Okay, let me take a deep breath. Okay. Okay, let's go. Let's do this. Let's do this. (laughs) All right. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Prayer, consistent. Awesome. What keeps you up at night? Kids' future. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. How to win friends and influence people. You know, I believe that was Savannah's pick as well. <laughs> oh, get out of here. <laughs> oh, baby listens. Oh, that girl. What uh, that? That's so funny. Man, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um... If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? Collective Society 360.org. <laughs> Support our youth today. And the reason why, because look, they're taking care of us. If we want to get down to the superficial, they're taking care of us and we need to make sure they're okay and they're right so our world doesn't implode. So <laughs> love it. <laughs> okay. Um 
What have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? That could be distractions, invitations, family. Definitely invitations and definitely family. Mm -hmm. Totally relate. I think that's a whole nother segment. (laughs) Saying no. (laughs) I've become queen of saying no. My kids are almost like, do you know another word? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, um, do you think I get no? You didn't know. But I didn't How finish my that? sentence. No. <laughs> and that's a uh, no. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, man. Okay. Well, last but not least, let me see. What question do I want to get from you? What's one of the most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? That could be of money, time, or energy, or anything else. My family. I know, again, that sounds cheesy, but family is an investment in emotion, time, dedication, because a lot of families go their separate way and everything. And it's work. Mm-hmm. It's work. And, and it is time. And it is an investment in yourself and in your mind, body and soul, because, you know, there are some people out there and you just wonder what happened to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And you need family. Wow. I'm feeling like that might have been a strange answer but (laughs) no it's not it's it's not a strange answer at all it actually makes me think of um so I finished reading um Oprah and Dr what is his name I can't Bruce Perry I can't remember his name but basically she co-wrote a book and it's called what happened to you and it's about trauma and healing and coping and um working through it and then that last line that you said about you know especially with family um, you know, people separating and distancing and it's like, you know, what happened to you, but there's a lot of childhood wounds and childhood traumas that were not addressed or dealt with or healed and both schools and workplaces and all kinds of environments are trauma ignorant. And then people just end up getting cut off or, you know, distance from when they actually really just need help because it's like, what, what happened to you rather than saying what's wrong with you? That, oh, that's good. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. You might see that come out as a quote with your picture on it somewhere. (laughs) That that is I that is something I'm going to take away because that that's very true. Because you know what, especially like with family, you you know each other from birth. Mm -hmm. Who you are when you're 16, 17, you might not be at 30, 40, but yet they hold you in a certain way, and then you have to learn how to work together and pivot together and, and figure out who you are. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, if I can cheat and have a second part, I think another investment is in yourself, Mm -hmm. figuring out who you are, whose you are. Yep. And from there, take it, uh, take it to God. Yep. Amen. First and foremost, learning that I'm a child of God has been, and it still is a journey in understanding that without him, nothing's possible. And Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's a time it's time to invest in back into him. Amen. I say amen on so many different levels right now. I'm like, okay, I really, I want to like jump deeper into the conversation at the end of the episode, (laughs) (laughs) which means that we're going to have to have a part two. (laughs) Oh, anytime. (laughs) Honestly, Connie, I want to thank you so much. Uh, You have no idea how much I appreciate you. And even just this conversation allowed me to get to know you even on a deeper level. So just thank you for being who you are. Oh, thank you. Thank you for what you do with your platform and and lending your voice so other people can have one. Thank you.
Thank you. And to all of you legacy leavers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And I have to say thank you to the community of you who are out here listening to the show, who are sharing it on social media, who are sharing it with people that it resonates with because because of you guys, the show is ranked in the top 2% most popular shows out of all podcasts globally, which is over 2 million. So I want to say thank you to all of you that are listening. And if you could think of, I'm going to challenge you today to three people that would resonate with Connie's story, please share it with them. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Connie at Collective Society 360 or at Connie Amarte, and you can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. 